Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, it's that time again, another Venture Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Wills, your host here at uh, Venture Podcast, and I am the lead pastor at Chandler's Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and it's so great to be talking to you guys again. Uh, we're glad you're joining us, like I said, and uh, I want to wish anybody that's listening that's a, that's a dad a happy late Father's Day. I uh, hope you guys had a great, great Father's Day uh, for your, you and your family. And so today, we're in the third week of our, our four-week series uh, called Bless This Home. And so if you are just joining us, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of weeks. Uh, not that you have to. Uh, you won't necessarily um, not understand what we're talking about today, but it will help you um, know where we've been going over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, today uh, and, and the past weeks and, and for next week, we have been looking at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 uh, in a section that's known as the Beatitudes, uh, where Jesus gave us eight different directions for those who would be blessed. And so that's where we're going to be uh, today as well. Now, we need to understand that Jesus was talking to everybody, but what we're doing for the purpose of our, our study and our, our series is we're applying the Beatitudes to our homes, and that's why we call it Bless This Home. Because honestly, so many homes today are not as blessed as God would want them to be. Uh, the first week, we looked at the, the Beatitude, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at the very... Uh, powerful words of blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And next week uh, is my personal favorite. I'm really looking forward to be speaking on this, is uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Today what I want to do is I want to talk about peace in the home. Because honestly, so many of our homes are not characterized as homes of peace. Instead, if you look at our homes, you would say have to say that they are more characterized by conflict or by tension or strife. And I believe that God is something way, way better for us, that he wants our homes to be characterized as homes of peace. Now, some of you may say, okay, you're talking to me. My home has a lot of dysfunction in it, but most of it, it's not my fault. And the reality is that may be true because every home has an incredibly difficult family member, okay? Every family, if you look somewhere, maybe not in your home, your specific home where you live, but in your extended family, everyone has kind of that, I don't know, psycho person, <laughs> okay? Difficult to deal with person. Uh, it's a spiritual principle, right? Anyway, um, let me just prove this to you, okay? If you look um, into your family, every family has this difficult person. If you, if you can think of someone in your family that is that difficult situation, um, I, I think you can think of them right now, right? Now, if you couldn't think of anybody, all right, here's the deal. You're probably the one, okay? I'm just being honest with you. No, I, I'm joking. The, my point of this is relationships are just difficult and they're challenging. And so 
it's amazing how easily we can slip into dysfunctional cycles in our relationships. Okay, and that's where I'm going with this. For example, uh, my two younger brothers, Todd and Tim, uh, would fight almost every day. And they are so close in age that they just, they just clashed. And you wouldn't know that today, but back then, they were almost enemies. And, and most of the time, my brother Todd, the older of the two, would, would win the fights when they'd get into them. And, well, one day we were all messing around, uh, giving each other a hard time, and, and we were playing this game that we created. It's kind of like this karate tournament game because we were inspired by back then of the movie Karate Kid with, with Ralph Macchio in it. Uh, some of you guys might remember that movie. And so we created this game. It was just more of a pretend game and type of things. And so here we are playing this game. And my, my brother Todd pretended to do this high karate kick to my brother Tim's face. And as he did that, my brother Tim grabbed Todd's ankle in the midair. And he's holding them there, right? So he's got one leg up high in the air and one leg he's standing on on the ground, okay? And, and as he was brother was holding his ankle, my brother Todd was slowly getting angry, okay, because he couldn't get away without falling. And so he at one point decided to say to Tim, said, hey, hey, if you don't let go, I'm really going to kick you with the other leg. <laughs> like he was some, some karate master, you know, Ralph Macho himself or something. I don't know. But anyway, Tim was like, go ahead, because you're just going to hurt yourself <laughs> by doing that. Well, Todd decided he was going to go and do it anyways. And so he, at that moment, he kind of raised up his leg and was going to kick try to kick my brother. Well, he got about two inches off the ground, and my, other, my brother let the other leg go. And, of course, Todd came crashing down the floor. Bam, you know. And Now, Todd is, is steaming mad and jumps up and starts yelling at Tim, you hurt me, and, and now, you know, they're going at it. They're really fighting. And so I, being the big brother, the one that is in charge of watching them while the parents were off to work, realized that, that I needed to do something, and so I did. I sat back and I watched them fight <laughs> until they broke something. And then, then I got to broke it up and it's like, oh, we're all going to get in trouble for this now. But, but the reason I tell you that is because it's funny. You know, it's, it's a funny story. But you have to admit that so often in our dysfunctional and unhealthy family dynamics, okay, sometimes it boils down to you hurt me, right? No, you hurt me. And we end up in, in challenging relationships, right, instead of those that are characterized by peace. Now, I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you're trying to raise your kids and your mom keeps looking over her shoulder, uh, over your shoulder, giving, her, giving you advice, and, and you're like, well, stay out of this, Mom, and, you know, you, 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 I, I got this, Mom. And, and, and so you create this tension between you and your mom. Or maybe it's your own kids. They, they fight all the time, and you find yourself saying things like you, that you thought you would never say, like, don't make me pull this car over. You know, I'm going to count to three. And, and no, I'm going to count to five. No, I'm going to count to 40. And you end up never doing anything. You go take a bath because your kids are still fighting, right? Maybe you are a kid. You're a teenager, you know, and you, and you think, my parents will never trust me, and they're always breathing down my neck. They're so controlling. You might be in a blended home and you're trying to raise your kids, her kids, his kids, you know, and there's exes involved and, and, and so incredibly, incredibly complicated, right? And you wonder, how could there ever be peace with all these moving parts? How could there ever be peace? Some of you might be at a place where you, to this day, have not forgiven your mom or your dad for something that happened years and years ago. Today we're going to look at one of the Beatitudes of Jesus, and I have tremendous expectation that God is going to do a lot of healing in a lot of hearts. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Here's what he said. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, some translations have that as children of God, okay? But you can use either one, however it fits you. So when Jesus was talking, blessed are the peacemakers, the original Hebrew language that's translated as peace in the New Testament is the word shalom. And for years, the word shalom has been a well-known greeting, right? Probably most of you have heard that. Uh, The original word for peace meant a lot more than what we think in our English language, though, okay? The word peace, shalom, it means more than just absence of bad, okay? I wish that you you, you don't have hard times, okay? It's more than that. It also means I wish you had the highest good. When Jesus says, blessed are those peacemakers, okay, blessed are the peacemakers, he doesn't just mean, I want, ho- I want your home to be strife-free, but he also says, I also want to have, I want you to have the highest good, okay? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And when Jesus said this, just like the other seven Beatitudes, everybody listening would have been shocked, okay? There were very counter-cultural statements that he was saying because everyone there had been raised with the mindset, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, you know, someone hits you, you hit them back, or someone steals something from you, you take something from them. And he was saying something that was very shocking. Blessed are the peacemakers, okay? There's a higher calling for those of you that want to follow me. Now, if you notice, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. You see, there's a big difference. Okay? And so we need to understand and differentiate the two. So what are peacekeepers? Well, peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Okay? They often avoid conflict. Peacekeepers, they'll work around the issues, not through the issues, trying to keep the peace. And so we kind of get to this place where we're like, oh, let's just make a truce. You know, let's just not talk about it. Let's just get together at family dinners and we'll smile and act like we're, we're all getting along, although we really know there's tension behind the scenes, but, but we're not going to show it because we, we're happy at this meal. There's no fighting, right? And then what happens? Months go by and then something sets you off or, 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 or somebody says something or does something and there's like this raw, you know, fighting going on and I'm sick and tired of you and you did this and this and this and you didn't do that and that and that. And you're like, where did all this come from? Well, what happened was there were dozens of unresolved issues along the way. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. What will a peacemaker do? Okay, well, a peacemaker will embrace conflict to keep the peace. Peacemaker will embrace conflict to keep the peace. We're not going to work around the issue. We're going to work on the issues. We'll work through them. And with the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself, we believe there can be peace in our homes, right? Which brings us to our key thought for this series, and, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't heard this, uh, listen to the previous couple of weeks of podcast, um, I'm going to go over it again for you, okay? Our key thought is this. We are not just a Christian home. What are we? We are a Christ-centered home, okay? We're not just a Christian family, but we are a Christ-centered home because 80-some-odd percent of our homes would not be called Christian or Christ-centered in the way that we do life, Okay? What is a Christ-centered home? Well, Jesus isn't just part of our life, but he is our life. We are fully devoted, following, serving, knowing, and bring glory, bringing glory to him. In a cultural Christian home, a home that's Christian in name only, when there is a hard time, we just write somebody off. Well, well forget them. We're not going to go mess with them and, and forgive them. I mean, after what they did, I would never forgive them. They'd have to come back to me crawling on their hands and, and knees, and then I just might make, a, uh, pay that, make them pay for a little while, okay? 
And, and that's normal. In a Christ-centered home, though, we say, what does Jesus teach us about how to do relationships? And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Paul said something very complimentary in Romans 12, 17 and 18. He said this, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live a life of peace with everyone. So for those of you that are just thinking, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this, or I really need to, I need to really share this with so-and-so because God needs to bless them and they need to hear it, right? No, what you need to do is just let God speak to you. As far as it depends on you, you do everything possible to live at peace. Let God work on them, okay? And then Paul goes on in verse 21. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but instead we're going to overcome evil with good, okay? So that's why Jesus is talking about blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So if we're going to be a Christ-centered home and we're going to be peacemakers, what do peacemakers do? What do they do? Well, I'm going to give you three things today of, uh, of, of what peacemakers do. Okay? The first thing we do is they tell the truth in love. Okay? They tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Because we are a Christ-centered home, we will tell the truth in love. Notice it doesn't say to yell the truth in love, right? You always leave your clothes out here or on there or wherever, right? That's yelling, and that's not in love, right? We tell the truth in love. So how do we tell the truth in love? Well, a couple of things that were really, really important would be is to tell the truth in love during non-conflict times, okay? That's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone is throwing a shoe at you because they're angry, probably not the best time to raise a new issue, okay? I'm just saying, okay? Deal with that one, all right? Uh, we work on them during non-conflict times, okay? The second thing that we, is, we do is we attack the issue, never the person, okay? We confront the issue, never the person. Non-conflict times and then confront the issue, not the person, all right? That's what we do as peacemakers. That's how we tell the truth in love. Second thing we do as peacemakers is we also apologize when we're wrong. Okay? We apologize when we're wrong. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. So I want you to think about this for a moment. What do you think your relationship would look like if, when you sinned, you confessed it? Like, I am so sorry. What I did was wrong. I sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? And then you prayed together. Can you imagine how incredibly different our relationships would be if we owned our own sins, confessed them, and then prayed together? Now, I'm not talking just about married couples. I'm talking about any kind of relationship, friends, family, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and obviously marriages, okay? Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. So how do we do that? Well, we admit to specific actions without excuses, okay? We admit to specific actions. We say, here's what I did wrong and no excuses, you don't dare say, well, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you big old baby. Okay, that's not an apology. We apologize for specifics. I'm so sorry that I belittled you in front of your friends. I have no excuse for that. That was wrong. Or I'm really sorry I didn't consider you. I should have called you when I was late. I can see why you're so worried. Or maybe something on the lines of, I am sorry I raised my voice at you like that. That was disrespectful. Please forgive me. Or, you know, hey, I'm sorry that I dropped the cat off the roof to see if he could land on all four legs. And, and he did, but I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry for that. You know? <laughs> uh, 
had to throw a dad joke in there, right? It's, it's Father's Day week, right? Anyway, <laughs> it, hopefully forgive me for that one. But there's, there's a big difference between, and don't miss this, between remorse and repentance, okay? There's a big difference. So often people stop with remorse and it's kind of this, well, I'm sorry I got caught, or I'm sorry we're having a hard time, or I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, and I'm sorry we're going through this. That's remorse, okay? Repentance is, I was wrong, I sinned, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And when you sin, don't stop with, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is for mistakes. You, you, will you forgive me is for the sin, right? I'm sorry I left the toilet seat up. That's a mistake, okay? Will you forgive me for deceiving you? Because that's a sin, okay? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We are Christ-centered in all that we do. And Christ calls us not just to wish the absence of harm, but the highest good, right? He calls us to something more. So we will tell the truth in love. We will apologize when we're wrong. And number three in what peacemakers do is, don't miss this, peacemakers forgive and let go. Peacemakers forgive and let go. So I want to walk into this gently for a moment because at this point there's, there's probably some of you that are listening. There, there's a tremendous amount of pain in your life. And, and some of you right now might be thinking, well, you know, you've got your little pastor life, Dan, and, and your little pastor problems. But in, in the real world, you don't know what we've been through or what I've been through. And I just want to say, my personally, I want to say, I may not have been through what you've been through, but I do understand that betrayal is very difficult to forgive. I understand that, okay? Some of you, your spouse betrayed you, committed adultery maybe multiple times, and you think, how can I forgive them? And I know that some of you, you've got someone that you trusted with everything in you, and they lied, and they deceived you, and you left you in a, in a really, really hard place, and that's very difficult to forgive. And I know that there are those of you, many of you, who have somebody in your family who should have protected you, and that person who should have protected you took advantage of you and abused you, okay, or hurt, and hurt you in some way whatever it might be, and you say, how in the world do I forgive that? I don't even want to forgive, so how do I forgive that? I'm not going to tell you it's easy, but I will tell you it's doable, and it's incredibly important for a Christ-centered home to do just that, all right? And the Bible tells us how we do it. Colossians 3.13 says, Paul said, to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, how do we forgive that which seems unforgivable? Well, Paul tells us to do it in a certain way. He says, we forgive as the Lord forgave you, okay? And so I want to ask you a question. Has the Lord forgiven you of a lot of sins, okay? I don't, I don't know about you, but he has forgiven me for a heck of a lot of sins. Has the Lord forgiven you freely, even though you did not deserve it and you couldn't earn it? And that's how we're called to forgive, to freely forgive as we've been forgiven. That's what a Christ-centered home does. That's what Christ-centered homes do, all right? Now, I'm gonna tell you a very personal story of mine. When I was growing up, my dad was a police officer, and, and for a while during his career, he worked narcotics and other things, and at some point, he even worked in child protective services and things like that. And there were many times where my dad had a hard time of letting go of some of those things that he saw and heard and had to go through and endure and and there would be many times that he would lose his temper rather quickly. Now, I'm here to share with you that I was never, uh, I never was abused. You, know, you need to know that. Okay, my dad never abused me physically, uh, really not even uh, verbally. Um, he did lose his temper quickly, like I said. But, but what it did, it was it caused a situation in my life where it became very hard for me to approach my dad for things. 
okay, in fear that he would yell at me or, or not care, or seem like he wasn't caring, or just he pushed it off as not important right now, okay? And over the years, we just never really grew close as you think a father and son should be. And I was the firstborn, and so you would think that we would have this, this special bond. Well, some years went by, and my dad found Christ again. And over time, with the help of our great God, he became someone that I could start going to again. And before long, we had the relationship that we have today. And crazy enough, we served in ministry together for many years now. Um, he just retired as, as a senior pastor, and, and I was a youth pastor for many years, and, and we just got to serve together. And now you might think that's where the story ends, but it's not. This is how Christ works. One day, my dad and I were having a father and son conversation. My dad, out of the blue, just said something I will never forget. He said, son, I want to apologize for the things I've said in the past and the way our relationship was when we were younger. Can you forgive me? And of course, I forgave him. And we had a great conversation about it, and we grew from that. And I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever felt closer to my dad than I did at that moment because we would have never had that conversation. We would have never had, he would have never asked for forgiveness. And I surely would have never forgiven him if it wasn't for Jesus Christ in our lives. And so I want to say one thing to you, and if you'll remember one thing, uh, out of all that I talked today or anything during this week, I want you to remember this. Listen clearly and carefully, okay? Family is worth it, okay? Family is worth it. And there are some of you that call yourself a Christian and you're not acting like it. Family is worth it, okay? If we're followers of Jesus, what do we do? When someone strikes us on one cheek, we turn the other one, right? And when somebody asks for our shirt, we give them our coat as well. What we don't do is we, when our marriage gets tough, we just walk out and say, forget you, I'll take my stuff, you take your stuff, we give up and we're just because we're not happy right now or whatever it might be. What we don't do is we don't write our children off and say, well, you've done this, so you're no longer my child. And what we don't do is we don't walk away from our in-laws and say, you're annoying. Uh, of course they're annoying, okay? You'll be in-laws one day and you'll be annoying too, okay? We don't walk away from family, okay? We don't cut family out, family is worth it. We forgive as we've been forgiven. We show mercy as we've been shown mercy. And while we're at it, if we're followers of Jesus, family isn't just blood. Family goes beyond that into the body of Christ. And, and when we act like Christ and we forgive, and when we act like him and we show mercy, and when we act like him and we make peace, we are called children of God. Now, I've got two children, and guess what? They, they both kind of look a little bit like me. Poor kids. <laughs> okay, and guess what, though? When, when you, okay, when we make peace and we do everything possible to live at peace with everyone around us, and when we even take it and let someone hurt us and then we freely forgive, guess who we look like? We look like our Heavenly Father, created in His image, conformed to His likeness of His Son, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We aren't just a cultural Christian family. We are a Christ-centered family. Hear it and never forget it. Family is worth it. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, we're going to honor him in everything we do and loving the way he loves us. Amen. All right, that concludes week three of our four-week series on Bless This Home. We hope you're enjoying it. We also hope that you'll be back with us next week as we wrap up week four of Bless This Home. All right, we'll talk to you soon. 
you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.